This is episode 11 with Matthew Gold, who rose from a life of poverty and crime to become the CEO of one of Australia's fastest growing startups. Welcome to the Wild Ones with Cam Miller podcast. I'm your host, Cam Miller, and I'm a coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and founder of what has twice been the UK Babywear brand of the year. For the last few years, I've been supporting people around the globe to reconnect with the wild innate strength within themselves so that they can rapidly realize their goals and build incredible lives. The purpose of the Wild Ones podcast is to connect those creating wild, free, incredible lives and to share the knowledge, tools and skills we need to spend more of our time doing the things we love with the people we love when we like. If you're inspired by this podcast episode, Subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com where you can check out and sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. It works hand in hand with the podcast to provide you with a steady stream of motivation, knowledge and practices to fuel and guide your own wild, free, incredible journey through life. In this episode, I'm talking to Matthew Galt. Matt was born into a life of poverty, abuse, and crime, where most of his peers either ended up in jail or dead. Matt used growth tools, like creating a better vision for his life, to transcend his situation and eventually rise to the top of business in Australia. Matt now helps fellow business owners to use the tools of vision, traction, and health to transcend their challenges and to create all new levels of growth in business and in life. If you yourself would like to transcend your challenges, big or small, and realize growth in business and life like you never have before, then this episode is for you. Well, Matthew, welcome. Great to be with you, Cam. All right, so we're going to do something I haven't done on any of the podcasts before this. I'm going to fire off a few rapid fire questions to get us going, to get the uh, to get the mental juices flowing, everything, to and to help the audience understand a little bit about you know who you are as a person before we dive into your journey. How does that sound? Sounds awesome, mate. Looking forward to it. All right, let's get into it. The first question is: What's something outside of work that you're passionate about? Yeah, I have to say uh, yoga. And the, the whole uh, practices and disciplines around that. So it's not just about, you know, getting into a yoga studio and tights and moving around, but yep. the whole spiritual, physical, mental element, um, just with the daily practices of uh, deep mindfulness, you know, asana and flow. Yeah. Weaving that through everyday life. So yeah, it's something I'm I love about. it. Right into my yoga at the moment as well. I think it was Patanjali said when he described what yoga is, it's just like a quieting and stilling of the mind. And I'm finding that my yoga practice, and you don't see it, it takes a long time to happen, but really starting to flow through in the way that I live my everyday life and just bringing more calm in that. So so I love that. The next question is, what's one word that would describe your general mindset or general state in life at the moment? Abundance. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's something that's um, accessible to all of us if we just change our perspective. So instead of being so focused on, you know, what I want to create or yep. where I've been, um, just being really uh, grateful for the abundance that I'm already experiencing in all areas of my life and, then seeing that as something that is uh, always evolving. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Changing perspective. So, so important. The next question is a bit of a, this is a bit of a challenging one, I reckon, actually, but I'd love to see how you go with it. So without mentioning anything from your past or any of your roles in life, like parent and these sorts of things, uh, what are three things that describe you as a person? Yeah, passionate. energetic and driven i like it having having known you for a number of years now since we bumped in together at nyu stern in uh, in new york um you know those things definitely definitely characterize you as a person kind of tying onto that a little bit what would you say that your superpower is something that you're you're really good at in in business or in life 
Yeah, I have to say um, the ability to see see the future and make that future become a reality and with a, a positive growth disposition. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, It does. I do, it does. I think Stephen Covey kind of in the, um, you know, there's the primary creation and secondary creation, the ability to ideate or create the vision and then the ability to execute and turn it in. And it's really, you know, for me as well in my journey, it's only once I got the two of those things flowing and working together that, um, you know, things started really happening for me. So that's the, um, that's the strength. What about something that you're not so good at? Uh, yeah. Administration work, <laughs> detail, <laughs> managing my calendar and yeah. Uh, yeah, all of the, um, the, 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 the administrative part that it takes to execute on my, uh, on my work. So, um, yeah, it's painful and it's drain, draining, but <laughs> build, building no. the routines around to make that, make that done and delegate what I can. Absolutely. I think, yeah, anybody can understand that, particularly when you're starting your own business and you got to do it all yourself. <laughs> it is something that takes up a lot of time. You know, you want to be out there serving clients and creating content and all these sort of cool things, but there's these other things that you got to do to make it all work as well. So no love that. Um, who's somebody that you uh, admire or aspire to be like? Oh, that's a great question. Um, actually a, a it's just something that's fresh of mine. It's a book I'm reading at the moment by um, uh, 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 an MMA fighter. Um, it's probably not the best uh, description of it, but um, no, I he, like it. He's a uh, he started. He's named Hickson Gracie. He started the the whole Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It was actually yep. called Grayson. Uh, yeah, Jiu Jitsu. He didn't actually fight. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. He didn't actually fight in MMA, but he he. Um, was all about bringing the sport to the Western world. And I think he's in his seventies now. But just just yeah. reading his biography, and it's just a phenomenal description of someone who balances the the physical, the mental, and the spiritual aspects of their life. And I think for someone, you know, I'm in my forties now, and yeah. I've had a a good sense of balancing the mental and, and learning yeah. well um, the the spiritual, incorporating that more and more into my life, but to some understanding, you know, how important the physical is and how those three things need to be in balance. Yeah. Um, and so, so reading this autobiography by someone whose whole life is the physical yeah, and then come at the mental and the spiritual and then seeing that, okay, it's, um, it is, does it all need to be in balance? You can't have one more than the other. Yeah, absolutely. Balance. So key. And then, all right, final question for our quick fire questions is, Building on a little bit of what you said around the visioning that, what is something that you aspire to over the next five or 10 years? Yeah, I, I, I just go back to that first one word is just abundance in all area of my life, all areas of my life. So, you know, that I'm feeling that, you know, personally my health and, yeah. you know, feeling this, this boundless energy day in, day out, just, you know, abundance in my relationships with, my family, my wife, yep. and my my friendships, and then and then my business from the perspective of really being able to serve and help people every single day, and feeling a, a sense of um, purpose and direction and an impact through that. So it's yeah. this, this vision. It doesn't. It's not defined by any particular number. Well, there are metrics along the way. Yep. Cool more defined about me being having the greatest possible impact I can in the world yeah and but knowing that to do that I need to be my best version of myself in all those areas yeah and no, I love it I love how you mentioned energy I think uh, it was Jim Lower in his book uh, powerful engagement I think it was where you know, he says basically that physical mental spiritual um, even social etc these are just their values but they're actually examples of energetic sort of states you know you get energy from your physical state but also if you're curious and excited these sort of things you get energy from your mental state and same with spiritual if you're connected to a higher purpose motivated you know doing things for your family all these sort of things you gain even more energy so so love it all right Matt well let's dive into your journey then I did a little bit of research before jumping on this podcast obviously okay. and I noticed on your LinkedIn that it said 
95 to 2001, various entrepreneurial pursuits. So just quickly, can you give us an overview of some of the things you got into? Because obviously now you're really focused on helping engineers. So it'd be, it'd be nice to understand a little bit the, the context there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll give you the context before giving you the specifics. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from, from a journey perspective, um, uh, I grew up in a, in a pretty uh, troubled environment. Um, so both my parents were disabled. Um, it was a pretty, uh, pretty abusive household. Um, and I was an only child. So um, I think through all that, it just, you know, and I was pretty, pretty poor area. So it, it just yeah. to, um, I guess you could say, a way of life that uh, seemed normal um, and that was normal completely from the, you know, the environment that I was yeah. in. So, um, yeah, I was involved in a lot of crime. I was involved in a lot of drugs. And was wow. Involved, uh, things that I probably wouldn't go out and um, actively, you know, promote and yeah. brag about. So, <laughs> um, but from a very early age, uh, I learned that, you know, the only way to um, create my own destiny in life was yeah. uh, to take control of my destiny and to, to do things and create and generate income um, in yeah. whatever I could. So um, there were a lot of gangsters in the, the area that I, I lived. And yeah. um, at first I would just run errands for them. Yeah. So I'll just, you know, riding <laughs> There's a few my movies that come to mind as you're saying this, but can yeah. you go, go on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at first I I just do the odd jobs. There was this one particular yep. workshop where the uh, it was like a, it was a car workshop, and they used, all used to hang around building race engines and yep. an automotive business and a whole range of other businesses, as you can yep. imagine. Yeah, basically hang around the workshop and you know, amazing. <laughs> give give me jobs because I was the, the the this sort of small looking guy that looked like I could be trusted, and. Um, Eventually, I uh, sort of cracked the code to what it took to be successful in this environment and, yeah. you know, started my own version of entrepreneurial endeavours in that environment. I'm not yeah. sure I'll go into specifics of, of what that includes. No, no I get it. But, um, you know, it's very much entrepreneurship's like a creative endeavour. And he said creating financial security, safety, all of these sort of things that you were doing. And I think young people are often, you know, they grow up in the environment they grew up in and they they have to learn to survive and learn to you know make themselves safe and happy and all these things in the environment that they have and and then hopefully gain the tools to transcend that and create a better environment a better yeah. world for them and their families going forward obviously it was i mean it was you know to survive you had to hustle yeah you, you know you were either eaten or be eaten eating yep. or be eaten and you know you you could exist within that but you, you just had to hustle day in and day out and um, unfortunately, through that, uh, I developed, you know, a lot of skills, so to speak, yeah. about, you know, Definitely. How, how to understand customers, how to understand yeah. people, how to, you know, manage complex, you know, environments, how to manage yeah. conflict. Um, and yeah, so definitely and, and challenge. I, and yeah, and I, I saw, I think to the, to the latter part of that period, I um. I, I started developing a lot of legitimate businesses. So, so yep. I started creating websites for the, for the gangsters and their, their business. <laughs> yep. this, was, this was just to the, build their social media presence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before this, before social media, like, yeah. like, yep. when, when business needed a website. So I, I'm started yeah. creating websites. Um, you know, I learned HTML and I started, you know, I was the only one that um, within that circle that, you know, felt comfort enough selling. Yeah, cool. So, so I created websites um, and, uh, then at the back of the end of that, I um, uh, started like for the for the motor business. I, I started developing an online trading platform to um, help them trade uh, automotive parts, and it ended up working. And it was just my sort of my first startup. Yeah, cool. So, so yeah, that's, uh, I like it. So, um, you turned you know you turned straight and narrow in, in terms of university. That you became an engineer. Can you talk us a little bit through about why you chose that path, and then? Maybe then the key steps that took you, you know, over the many, many years then to become CEO and founder of uh, Fulfilio after, after that. Yeah. Um, I, th I think very early on, like even though I was developing, you know, some sense of um, financial security, I, I, could I could just see all the people in the environment and they're either the people that, 
you know, either, you know, got out were the ones that were dead. Yep. <laughs> they, they, were in, they were in jail or um, they sort of got to a place where it was very unhealthy and, and yep. it, was, it was pretty um, not the sort of future I could see that I wanted to create for myself. So yeah, um, I was fortunate and then I was still, you know, I'd st- I, I was doing, they had these two lives, right? I had this, you know, entrepreneurial sort of gangster affiliated life and still I did my high school and you know then I went to I got the opportunity to go to university um very early on I said I wanted to drop out of school and one of my friends who was about to um be locked away for a long time I told him I was going to drop out he's a bit of a mentor for me and he said you know don't be stupid you're the only one that has the chance to get out of here stay in school yep um so so I stayed in school I, I went um I didn't had no idea what I was going to do, and I remember yep. the school coordinator sort of was surprised that I was still in school at Year Twelve. <laughs> he, 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 he had to really do- showing belief in their students there. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I remember uh, he uh, he looked at me and goes, "So you're still here, Matt? So you want to go to university?" I go, "Well, yeah, why not?" So he threw the course guide at me and goes, "Just pick something, and you got to fill out this form." <laughs> so. <laughs> I remember just flicking through the course guide and just looking at the prerequisites for the degrees and saying, this one's got maths, physics, yeah, yeah. Like maths, electrical engineering. It's like, I don't know, I guess well, my French is electrician. I think I'd like this. Yeah. Um, so, so I went and, uh, yeah, started a degree at RMIT. Um, and for that, that was just an amazing experience for me. Like, so growing out in the burbs in this one environment and then – yeah on the train going to the city every day like big buildings people from different backgrounds yeah and, i can imagine uh, i learned of a thing called private school and even yep. if that's such a existed, and i like learned that there's just so many different types of people also from overseas and um it really just it opened my mind to different um opportunities and different ways of living yeah um so you know, i started at that point in time to really tape i could see this you know this opportunity to, to create an income and a life uh, yeah. through a job that paid really good money um because engineers out of out of university you know got sort of reasonable money at that point yeah time and um so i just started tapering what i was doing you know in in one world and just focused 100 percent on my engineering um and i got to the point like i graduated top of the year in the final two years and got all these awards and stuff yeah, and so amazing I, journey this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it the best that I yeah. can. Um, and then uh, I just, yeah, that these different big companies were coming into schools and coming to the school and wanting the best students. So I got a, a really great job with, uh, with Siemens, which is a German company. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, got to go to that, Germany? I did, yeah. I lived in, I lived in Germany for, um, for, for a few years. Um, that was That's a cool. different technology company. But um, yeah. And... Uh, and then when I came back to Australia, I think I discovered more that I liked working on the business than in the business. Yeah. I liked that I could see the way the company was working. Yeah, got gotcha. you. Made money or lost money. And then said, look, you know, I want to do more of the stuff that's making the business make more money. Yeah. I want to get closer <laughs> to the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but it's but it's but it's also, you know, it's the, the technical aspect of running a company as opposed to the technical yeah. aspect of engineering. Um, yeah, different challenge, yeah. different set of problems. Yeah, you're yeah. obviously interested by. Yeah, and so so I um so I wanted an MBA um and uh, likewise like when I was sort of sitting my first I was auditing a few different business schools and I found yep. my class it just my mind was because I had this sort of narrow view of the world with engineering it's just like the guy from the, the kid from the suburbs going to the city and going wow there's all the different types yeah, of things. Cool. And, and, and I had this sort of engineering sort of centric view of world and then yeah exposed to all these other people from you know from medicine and from yep. finance and from you know all these different other technology industries and yeah like, great yeah wow this is there is a big world out there and you know working on business is actually something that is actually making a world a better place because yep. these businesses are the things that create the, the world that we have around us today and helping having people and business being more effective we actually are building a better world for, yeah, for, got you. for everyone um so you started yeah. seeing i guess some greater purpose in the in the business route greater purpose greater enjoyment etc um and then was it after the mba you went and enjoys booze uh and co or booze and company that's it? right yeah so, to so, consult? So, 
it was it was in it was just that passion for like wanting to build great businesses like i just i just really wanted to understand how do you take a company that's just sort of you know plugging along or has problems and turn it into yeah. something that you know becomes one of the great organizations of the world so sort of management consulting felt like a natural transition from there um yeah so i went to a strategy consulting firm booze um did a few years that i didn't like it like i, I didn't yeah. do I was probably too independent minded, too entrepreneurial, as opposed to what it took to be successful in that sort of, you know, consulting strategy, sort of mechanistic, um, you know, straight line uh, to success. I didn't like nice. kissing ass, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. Your, your words are basically same timing and almost exactly the same experience for me in investment banking. Um, yeah, it was pretty fun for a while and I enjoyed aspects of the work, but um, yeah, it just it just wasn't a great fit for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so you moved, you then decided to go in-house in terms of strategy roles. And that was, uh, yeah. the big, big, one of the big companies, Australia post here. That's right. Yeah. So, so, um, I, you know, I really was making a decision then it was less about the career and more about, um, lifestyle. So yep. uh, I had my first child then, and I could see that I, I couldn't be a successful management consultant, a successful father's husband and a successful yep. father. It just feel like mutually exclusive. So yeah. Right. Well, let's let's find an opportunity with an organisation that will give me that work-life balance that I needed to do my other roles in life better. And um, so, but then that was my original appeal to Ozpost because everyone said, "Look, you know, it's a pretty straightforward environment." But yeah. um, through the process, the people that I met there were like, "No, we're trans. This organisation is not going to be here in ten years unless we like change it, unless we do some pretty yep. radical things." I'm like, "Yeah, this is I care about this organisation and brand." So nice. So yeah, so that took me doing strategy. Um, I think through that, I, I really wanted to get back to my entrepreneurial roots. Like I really wanted yep. to build something that was um, had the chance to really have a big impact. Um, and so through that, I could see that we, it was the whole time Amazon wasn't. Well, no, people weren't sure if Amazon was coming to the to Australia. And yep. through my strategy work, I was involved in. It took know, them quite a while, actually. It did, yeah. Like, I, I mean, you know, there was there were a lot of rumours for a long time, but um, Ozpost obviously had a lot to lose and a lot to gain by it. So I yep. was pretty pretty focused on the strategy response and just, you know, I really wasn't happy with what I saw internally in that yep. uh, it was just, a, you know, we're just going to make lots of money. And I thought, well, what about all the small businesses that are going to get smashed and destroyed like every other country in the world when there was an interest. Yeah, when the big boys roll in. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, we, we, we have an obligation to to make sure those businesses are still supported. So um, so I, I had the idea to create a, um, a competitor to Amazon in yeah. the fulfillment environment, something that was really about small businesses, you know, yeah. e-commerce brands, helping them grow their businesses and not be beholden to you know amazon and their marketplace so they can still manage their own channels and their own brands yeah um so i pitched the idea then to some of the executives who were looking after the venture capital area and i was post and they said it was great so um so i left my job you know got some some money from Oz post um yep. and then you know built the company um built for filio over over three years um I think we got to about uh, 80 people at the end. Like that's, you know, arms and legs, concrete walkers and carpet walkers, so to speak. Yep. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. I like it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, look, it was an amazing business. It was an amazing time. Like it just taught me so much in terms of, you know, like as a token from being a strategist and, and yep. you know, having the, the empirically and academically correct answer to actually being the, the person executing it and seeing it sort of come out day-to-day life and, you know, always being interested in startups and, and doing a lot of mentoring and coaching of, of founders. Um, you know, I, I, I was able to bring so much pre-existing knowledge and, and passion and drive for it and awesome. really get that visceral experience of what it's like to be a startup founder, building a high growth, high performing business. Um, so yeah, that yeah, was I think- sorry, what you going to say? No, I think a vis- visceral sounds like uh, you know good good way to describe it in terms of often can be quite a you know an intense um, experience that's felt um, at a very visceral level. Yeah, and I I, I, th- I found that I was always solving problems that I knew other leaders had already solved before me. Yeah, like 
we can see this fire hose of of shit to deal with <laughs> while there's the sort of you know you, you have to work through it you just have to solve yeah problems. i saw at the same time and it's like this isn't there's nothing new here like yeah. you know, i'm not the first person building it this i'm the first person with a team with yeah another building a technology product and yep. while all the content and thought leadership out there was very much focused around you know the product and the channels and there was a little bit dribs and drabs of you know being a great leader you know yep. i really struggled to see how do i i can master it myself but how do i empower how do i help my leaders then go and build their organizations and then go on and build their own careers like how do i yep. started to like sketching out this framework um at the time of all of the the elements that are needed then to to build a high growth, high performing company. Um, yeah. And so obviously that'd be you know a good segue to what you're doing now in terms of EOS. But before we move on to that, you know, you, you created an amazing amount of growth in just three years, zero to eighty people, um, like a lot of growth. You know, from understanding, um, you know, it obviously that would create a lot of stress and challenges. And it was a period actually where you know there was a um, an experience of burnout that you had. Could you talk yeah. us through that? And I'm interested to know, you know, when did that really start? Was it within the Fafilio organization that you first noticed, you know, this yeah. is perhaps unsustainable in the way that I'm, you know, managing my professional life, but also the balance you said in terms of mental, um, physical, spiritual, et cetera, as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so, I think I started exceeding my capacity limits about 18 months into it. Yeah. So, you know, in a fast growing environment, like I said, you're always solving problems and, you know, there's this, there is a bit of a startup cult of, you know, like hard thing about. Hard yeah. Thing. Toughen up. You know, <laughs> I thought, I just thought that was the way it was meant to Elon be. Elon Musk, a hundred hours a week, you know, kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. And so I was over over indexed for a long time. And yep. at that time I just started doing anything I could just to extend my sort of capacities. So yep. started doing better, started meditating more. Um, but I didn't realize just the long-term effects of yep. that chronic stress, you know, the deficit of sort of, you know, sweet spot of skills and and, yep. and being overextended. So probably ran like that for about a year. And uh I knew I was burnt out. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I think it was the end of a year and I wasn't sleeping well. And, you know, like my relationships at home weren't good. I probably wasn't, you know, being, spending enough time with my father, my, my, so my family as a father. Yeah. Yeah. I can see myself just getting a little bit more overweight, you know, and I could just yep. see these things. And um, it sort of struck me one, like it really hit me like a, a, a pound of bricks, so to speak. And, and when I, we're always in fight or flight mode, right? When you're in that stress yep. position. So you're, you know, you're constantly solving problems and you're getting up, you're checking your emails and you're working yep. as hard at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. And um, so it was Sunday, we were out shopping. You know, I like roast chickens. Um, the, the store was out of roast chickens and I just, I just felt, I just was really stressed about that. And one of my, my son started, <laughs> my son started acting up. And normally I'm the Not one. Not a big deal, dad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, 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 it was, you know, and my son started acting up and I just collapsed in the middle of the supermarket. I just collapsed wow. on the ground. Like it was just, the, it was the... Yeah, literally got nothing more to give. Nothing more to give. And it was it was a straw that broke the camel's back. And from a fight or flight perspective, actually, evolutionary, there's one more one that's called or freeze. Yep. So you have a fight or flight or you, like, literally you don't have... Freeze, four. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that, and that's, that's what yep. it was. So... um. And that was a real wake-up call for me. Like I'd never had anything like that in my life. Yeah. And, um, so I, I, I took it really seriously and I just started yeah. saying, hey, how do I dial things back in my life? And when I was able then to just take a, a good critical view of, you know, giving myself the capacity to start sort of healing or recovering. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it wasn't, I realised that it, I wasn't just going to take a couple of weekends of sleeping in to sort of fix this. Um, and... Yeah, I was I was a mental, a physical, and an emotional wreck. And so it's yeah. often when you stop that you realize that you crash and you I crashed hard. Um, yeah. So, you know, between the, you know, you said you started exceeding your capacity limits. How long between then and and then when you actually had the collapse? Um 
it was probably about a year. Yeah. Because what my experience with burnout has been similar is that it often starts off small and quite imperceptible to begin with, but these things compound, you know, when you start sleeping less, obviously then you've got less energy tomorrow to deal with all these problems that you have, et cetera. So these problems compound, I find that, you know, it's this negative actually compounding curve that it starts small to begin with, but then it starts gathering pace and it normally always you know ends up in some sort of event and hopefully uh, most people survive that event but a lot of people don't particularly as they get older and such you know in terms of heart attacks and these sort of things so it's a very very powerful and important wake-up call but because it takes you know compounding over let's say a year period of time um, it takes almost a similar period of time and level of investment actually to reinvest in your physical health your sleep and all of these sort of things until you can start getting back to that sort of level because really i see burnout as a depletion of you know, it's a depletion of your physical mental spiritual other resources etc where you've just got as you said nothing else you got no more resources to give and then your body's just got to basically say all right we're not doing anything we're not doing anything man yeah, <laughs> zero. <laughs> and I, I got to count myself as lucky, and I, I say that it was, you know, it, was, it just took a, you know, a collapse of roast chickens in a supermarket to, for me to get that sort of signal. It could have been something much, much worse. Yeah. Um, and, and likewise, it's probably taken about two years to to rebuild. Um, yeah. And I look after that collapse, it was probably about six months till I left the company. So I was at yep. the, you know. I realized I wanted to go within a, you know, um, within a period of a year anyway. Yeah. And I, I just accelerated those plans and yeah. Good man. Yeah. So that then gave me the space and the time I was resolved. I wasn't going to do anything for six months. Yeah. Um, and through that period, I actually realized how bad the damage was. Like it yep. was, you know, it was pretty like if I had to keep going, I would have got a divorce. I probably yep. We've had some other serious sort of health health injuries that like long-term health impacts. Um, and I, th- I think through that, I could realise that, you know, it's no amount of time. I could re- I could, I could take the credit space and heal and get back to what I was doing, but I'm just going to be on the yeah. same path, same trajectory I was because it was actually, yeah. it was the, the behaviours that are fed by mindsets and these underlying sort of, beliefs that actually got me into that point so yeah i just stripped everything back to basics i had to go really really deep within to understand why i actually got myself into that situation yeah then um really walk through that sort of storm internally to get to the other side and realize like okay these are these limiting beliefs that actually have been serving me really really poorly yeah so then in understanding, observing those um, and then seeing, you know, like the physical state that I was in, I said, look, I'm not going to go back and do what I did before. And, I'm, and, I, and I really, if I want to rebuild my health, like what's that, you know, who can I look to in the world? Like what's these, the, the pinnacle of performance that I can actually create around myself, yeah. such as performance around my, so that I can create around myself such that I can, you know, ensure that I'm keeping all these things in balance. Um, and I, I look back at it now and I think, you know, part of me died then. Yep. And, and, and it was actually in a good, a, a good, a part of me that needed to die. Yep. Um, and it was a lot with all death, there's some loss and some, you know, like trauma that's associated with it. But, you know, through that, I've actually been able to, you know, rebuild myself into, you know, a much, much better version of, you know, what I've ever imagined I could become as a kid catching the train to the city. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, so I it's, like I'm, it. I'm, in a really, I'm in an amazing place, but the best place I've ever been in my life at the moment. It's like the uh, phoenix, you know, rising out of the ashes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought about that too, but I'll, oh, well, let's, go, let's go with it, Ken. Let's go with it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yeah, what is the, you know, is there a particular practice now you know, as, you, as you've described, it's a very broad thing of avoiding burnout in terms of making sure you're balanced in all of these areas. Is is that or is there a particular practice you focus on to, you know, just, you know, um, ensure that burnout doesn't pop up in your life in the in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are probably a handful of them and they're all contextuals. So, yeah. You know, why, why 
well, I apply, what do I apply in the practice that I apply, uh, you know, benefit, you work for me. Um, that's because of my, you know, unique physiology and my unique circumstances. But I have to say that, that the single most impactful thing that anyone can do and what instead of like, gave me that, instead of being you know, 12 months on that burnout cycle, yeah. um, I probably would have crashed and burned a lot sooner had I had not had just a, a sense of a mindfulness practice in my life. Yep. Just that that ability just to create space. And I do it every single day now, religiously, yep. twice a day, um, you know, create sort of 20, 30 minutes of just sitting in silence. And, you know, you can talk about all the different forms of meditations. And yep. I'm not, you know, yep. That's not the purpose of this call to get into that. But giving your, your mind that space, that's... It's actually like spiritual healing in, in yeah. respect. And then, you know, different people do it through gardening or surfing. You know, I've, I've got different things that work for me, but yep. you, you really, that's the, the foundation of any journey in any life of getting, you know, out of your, your routine or building yourself up or reaching a new yep. level to have that practice. Yeah. So giving yourself the space full of these different necessary elements of life. I like it. And so you mentioned as part of that journey, you know, you started thinking at Philio about, you know, the underlying, I guess, frameworks behind strategy yeah. and stuff like that. And at some point that, that led you into um, EOS, which is, you know, a company called Entrepreneurial Operating System. But could you talk to us a little bit about the transition into that, how you discovered it and what EOS is all about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the framework that I was I was actually developing the, with a friend of mine who, who runs a um, a cultural consulting practice, and I've always been a strong strategy guy. Like I always, you know, always thought through. But the the, the culture stuff, um, I understood on a on a on a technical level, and um, his work he works with you know the biggest and the best companies in this, in Australia. Like he's yeah, you know, sort of the the, the um, creme de la creme, creme de la creme, <laughs> so yeah. And but so. Uh, I knew from myself, I didn't want to work in that. I, I didn't want to work in that environment anymore. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to work in an environment that felt was was more about um, big businesses managing politics, managing stakeholders. Yeah. I really would work in an entrepreneurial environment because that's the pain yeah. I, I felt like not as a, you know, a manager managing you know like ten thousand people. Yeah. Just you know, how do I optimize around the edges for the five years of my career that I'm there? more about those entrepreneurs that are building the businesses that are going to change the future of the world. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted to work there. I knew I wanted to work. I didn't want to start something new myself. Yeah. But I wanted to work in a one-to-many context. Um, so I didn't want to start a fund. So I thought, look, I just want to take, I took, I'll take what I've learned. Yeah. I'll yeah. try to, what the framework that I was developing, I'll build this out now and just start giving it out. So I had a, a friend um, who, runs a private equity fund and yeah. works for a lot of you know mid-stage companies um and so i started piloting the framework then it was it was all right and but i knew that the culture element what i call culture was um was probably a little bit too corporate it was probably written yeah. and read from the, the the stuff that i'd sort that of world yeah yeah from my friend who, who friends who runs his um culture consulting company and so I just started connecting people and just researching and reading just the best content in the world um, around that, for, particularly with this market. And I came across this guy in the US um, and I was actually going to license his IP, yeah. it with IP and create something new. And, um, and it was through that, I showed him my framework. And he goes, I love your framework. It's great. And he goes, it's almost, it's very similar to this one by this guy called Gina Wickman. And I go, oh, Really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. I'm like, oh, okay. And I ran and looked it up and I'm like, shit. <laughs> it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually like mine, but about 10,000 times better because, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the crew, they, 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 they piloted it with like, you know, 10, you know, 30, 40,000 companies. And I'd only done it with yeah. a handful. Yeah. And so that point, decades even now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and at that point, you know, I was looking at this sort of a bit of an ego trip. Like I got this great framework, and it's going to yeah. work. And you know, I was really identifying with uh, um, how do you say the thought leadership element of the work, yeah. as opposed to just fucking helping entrepreneurs. Yep. And so um, when I looked at Gino's work and the community that 
around you know eos and these other people in the world also working with this framework i just yeah i thought look just surrender my ego i'm here to serve yeah i like it as i can you know don't try to there's, there's no you're not helping anyone creating anything new yeah why don't you take what's working and use that to help other people yeah so um so i read the book um Jenna's book. I connected with a few people as an organisation. I was like, "Yeah, this is these people." Good really. fit. Yeah, it's a good fit. Um, and then I had a, a someone just like the way the universe works. So the the, the PE uh, the, the friend that runs PE fund introduced me yeah. to someone, and he said, "Look, he's looking for some help. Can you help him?" And I said, "All right." And I told the guy, "Hey, read this book." And the, the CEO of this company, he reads the book. And um, he goes, "All right, when can we start?" I'm like, "Oh shit! All right, yeah. <laughs> let's 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 get let's get do it." Yeah, so he yeah. read he read Jenna's book Traction, and he goes, "When can we start?" I go, All right, shit, let's get started. And it was just yeah. like a, a seed for me for my like, I'm on the right path. Like even when you make yep. a decision, everything just feels like you just feel like you're in this slipstream. You see, you feel yep. like you're going downstream towards it. So I just surrendered to the currents of the stream, and I've just flown with it. And um, the the results that I saw with working with these tools and frameworks just yep. literally blew me away with Gino's work, like the, the entrepreneur operating system and the approach, it just blew me away. And I, I just ref, I reflect that what it used to take me six months to do and probably yep. about four or five weeks of, um, you know, face-to-face, you know, strategy consulting workshop yep. work. Yeah. Like the EOS process and the EOS framework could do in two months and three days of face to face. I just like that just and you can see like this thing's been there you know 15 yeah. just refining it over and over and over again. And now that's leverage, isn't it? The effective use of a business leader's time yeah. to get somebody in to get a hand. It's yeah. with a framework that's proven, that's known, that's works, etc. Oh, and then just start start improving the organization and getting results. And obviously this, you know, going full circle really uh, often that will take a lot of the pressure off the leadership you know in terms of performance but also in terms of them personally as well because obviously they're the, at the sharp end of all of this if a company's Absolutely. not performing etc that's a problem for them and their relationships and all of these sort of things and so no i really like it what's the um sweet spot for companies that eos focuses on yeah so um the, the teams that we work with are entrepreneurial right so it's yeah asx listed company it's not a, a division of a, of a corporate that's yep. trying to you know fix things it's generally the founder is still involved yeah or you know, privately owned um they can be have investors but you know that's that's the sweet so it has been an entrepreneurial business yeah um it's really important that the leaders and the owners are um open-minded uh open and honest yeah want to be vulnerable um, with themselves and with the people around them and that they're more afraid of status quo than they are of change so they're really that growth orientation that growth mindset um, i like it so t- generally you know I, I work with people that have businesses that have just two people you know all yep. the way up on the spectrum with hundreds yeah um, sweets but i feel when it really has its greatest impact to work with a coach or with a facilitator, someone like me, is generally anywhere from about ten people in the company and upwards. Yeah, um, so I've got, yeah, I've I've got a, an orientation to working with. Um, I think people and leadership teams and businesses that I really respect that I feel yep. are you know making a positive contribution to the world, either through their product or the type of organisational environment. Yep aspire to create they might not necessarily be creating it but the 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 type of company that they want to build for people to work in um yeah i like it so you know zero ten people is often yeah that's really the founder has started a business they've got a little bit of traction a few things have happened they build up a little bit of team but then they probably hit some sort of plateau but generally they've probably been doing things just the way the founder likes to do things etc so is it you know what do you typically find at this point is you know the main thing the businesses are doing wrong and what is the kind of the the main sort of changes you bring in as an eos implementer and what's the sort of time frame and results around all of this yeah yeah so good good few questions there so um I think so. Growing a 
company, um, businesses don't grow in a straight line. Yeah. So there's never been a, an organization in the history of the world that's grown in a straight line. It may, it may look from a, from a, you know, a historical revenue chart where it's, you know, yep. like, we did this because we did this, but that was not what it was like internally, internally. And so organizations and teams evolve the stages and they get to a point where what was working with, you know, five or six people yep. doesn't work with 10 people. And, yep. you know, like the business, the team, they sort of, they hit the ceiling and things feel a bit stuck. It's a bit yep. complex and chaotic. Sometimes things are a bit out of control. Maybe, you know, they're not making as much money as they used to. And the, the, yep. the, nothing's changed with regards to the unit economics of the business. And so that point, like a number of things can happen, right? So the business can either figure it out. They can like break through the ceiling, get to the next level and continue to grow. Um, they might flatline. Yeah. So they might keep going status quo for a while and it's, well, it's a bit chaos. People might be leaving and, you know, might have a big, bit of customer churn. Yeah. Um, or they'll fail. Yeah. And that's, I, I often say and observe that a lot of entrepreneurial businesses fail, not because the business fails, but because yep. they give up. Yeah. Frankly, like they, they just, they just can't go on anymore. Um, and uh so that's generally around that phase is that where there's a growth orientation, there's a market opportunity to grow, but the the, the organizer, the leadership team feels a little bit stuck. Yeah. And there might be a bit of conflict. There might be people, you know, not everyone's on the same page. Um, and so the, the three things that we really work on, we call it's called vision, traction, and healthy. So yeah. vision from the standpoint of getting every single person on the leadership team and within the organization 100% crystal clear on where the business is going and how it's yep. going to get there. Traction's about instilling discipline and accountability. Yeah. Across the leadership team and then at every level of the organization. And then healthy is actually coming together as a functional, cohesive group of people. Yeah. team that love spending time together. Most of the leadership teams that I've worked and I've observed in my career aren't that way. Yeah. So when you when you get these three elements that you work together to get these, this outcome through the company, then you create this execution machine that um, it, it, nothing can hold it back. So yep. using like in a big company speak, it's getting the you know, the strategy really refined, the vision crystal clear, and how you're going to yep. get there getting ensuring that the execution and how you build those execution rhythms and discipline and accountability yeah and creating a high performing team so that's more people say it's about culture and the culture is an outcome and it's just one part you can have a great culture and you know teams that are like dysfunctional and can't perform well yeah you can also have high performing teams and a dysfunctional culture yeah really about creating that the high performing team working together to you know everyone's working for the long-term greater good of the business um and then you could what 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 you do is you create this execution machine this business that's unstoppable Uh, i like it i can see the uh alignment with your journey here you know described in the early questions you know how vision and sort of execution were these two sort of superpowers of yours and obviously Mm -hmm. that's the same in one's personal life as it is in their business, really, to have the vision of where are we going and how we execute on that. But then even the health aspect is, you know, you had obviously a health experience with Fulfilio that obviously that's an important aspect of the business in, in terms of the way you describe, but also in terms of just the longevity and the sustainability and the are people able to come with their full energy each and every day. That's what stems from health. When, you know, when we don't have any health, we don't have any energy. We don't have any ability to do any of these other things as well well so i can i can really see the alignment there and what are sort of some of the results you've seen with um some businesses yeah i mean it's staggering like so businesses that were you know break even so not not on a scale up perspective but but businesses that were profitable yeah when break even even burning cash position um you know the high levels of attrition to that just completely turned that around so getting 30, 40% growth, you know, like high engagement, people coming, wanting to work for that organization. Yeah. Leadership teams that um, just like act 
for Lincoln Suburbia's act looked operate like a high performance sports team. Yeah, you know, it, it's holding each other accountable. You know, setting really high standards, supporting each other on the journey. Like it's it's yeah, it it, it blows me away. I, I I wish I had access to this when I was building my business. I really yeah. wish I had stuff. Um, I wouldn't have burned out. You know, I think the business would have been much larger and been able to really deliver its purpose in a much greater way. Um, it's a great, it's a great case study for your clients, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah you can literally talk from a very personal experience of what it's like to not have these sort of tools and then what it is like to have these sort of tools. Obviously, you know, a carpenter and, you know, a sports person, all this knows the importance of having the right tools, but also the right advice and coaching and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's prevalent in business, but, you know, still, as you said, a lot of businesses just going there on a, their own and not getting help in all of these sort of areas. And the same in, I find in, um, you know, in people's personal lives and their personal growth coaching and that not often reaching out, you know, to experts in particular areas to get help and also to make sure that they're using the right tools in the right ways at the right time and all of this. Cause you know, when, when, as you said, when it all comes together, you know, the experience, you know, in creating a business can be completely different. And, and that's so important, you know, in terms of its overflow into all of our other areas of life. So, you know, Matthew, if people want to get in contact with you or learn more about EOS and, and what you do, and if they want to, I guess, break through the, the ceiling and achieve, you know, this kind of work uh, business experience that you were describing. Um, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, um, just drop me an email, um, mg at mattgolt.com or hit me up on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. Just, you know, if you search me, um, M-A-T-T-G-A-L-T, you should be able to find me. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll have the, the details and the links in the, um, in the podcast notes as well. But Matthew, that's all that we've got time for now. Thanks so much for joining on the podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Cam. Been a pleasure to spend this time with you. And thanks for creating this space and this opportunity. Thank you. So there you have it, guys and girls. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com to sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. If you're really loving the podcast, please also share it with family and friends and leave a review on iTunes or whichever platform you might be listening on. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.